Pinball Nerds to episode 474 of your fifth favorite pinball podcast. My name is Orbital Albert, and on today's show, oh, okay, the not fun part is I'm getting sued. I'm going to save that to the end of the episode because I'm a little bit negative Nancy about it, and you just heard my boy, Glenn the Skateboarder, tell you that there ain't no negative Nancys here. So I'm not going to talk about that. To the, the negative Nancys as far away from Glenn the Skateboarder's song as possible, okay? Because... I don't want to be a Debbie Delt. Who wants to be a Debbie Delt? Or is it, is it Delt the dork? I don't know what it is, but it, that guy who was on the pinball show, nobody wants to be like him. He's toxic. He is the cancer of every hobby. This guy, his whole life, doesn't even matter if he was into shoe shining. He's on the shoe shiners forum. And they're like, he's like, oh, your shoe polish isn't shiny enough. Blah, 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 blah. They're just angry. They're rude. They're mad. They're grumpy. They're not positive. There's no constructive criticism. This man talked for an hour and a half on the pinball show and didn't give out one constructive piece of criticism. Unlike this show where I'm going to give you some criticism. First of all, if you're over litigious, you're a little bitch. You're basically, you might as well be adult. You might as well be squeak from basketball. No, I'm just kidding. Even he was cooler than litigious people. I'm talking to you, Robert Mueller, and I'm talking to you guys' name I can't mention who's suing me now, who's not Robert Mueller. So for all of you thinking it was Robert Mueller, it's not Robert Mueller yet. I hope not. I hope not. Because I think Robert Mueller probably has a better chance of coming at me than this I'm going to not use names, this person that's suing me. Okay. Let's talk first about Mando. You heard my over-exuberance about wanting to get the Mandalorian pinball. Most likely, word on the street is probably next week. I don't want to speak for Stern. I'm not part of the rumor mill. I don't have any insiders at Stern that I asked for pictures and video of. In fact, I've had to tell several people now, don't send me pictures of a game before it comes out. I don't want to see it. You can keep your friggin' granulated uh, 1990 flip phone garbage pictures to yourself. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for Stern. I want to see the clear, crisp video when it comes out. But my favorite love-hate relationship of all time, Mr. Chris, just cool enough for Schoolius, of Canada's Pinball Podcast, is saying... And he has been right so far, so I've got to think he might still be right. I hope he's not. I hope, Chris, this is the one time you're just dead wrong. I mean, also about, you know, how, you know, there's other things I'd like him to be wrong about. But for me personally, I hope he's wrong because he said that the Mandalorian reportedly has two flippers. Think about it. Think about it. Other than Stranger Things and Munsters. Sorry, Stranger Things, Monsters, and Aerosmith in the last decade. Have we had another two-flipper pinball machine from Stern? Uh, if you count the pro, I guess Game of Thrones. 
Now, there is said to be an extra play field, and that play field probably has a flipper because a play field without a flipper is basically pl- plachinko or pachinko or pl- plinko or whatever. It's a mixture of both, okay? Pachinko and plinko are, you know, they're the same things, basically. But I, I, I'm not going to say the words that I thought this show was going to be. I thought I was going to title this show if Mandalorian only has two flippers, I'm not buying it. But I can't say that. Now, why? let's break down why someone would want two flippers anyways. The number one reason you want two flippers is to create more shots. So when you look at Keith Ellen, for example, when I heard that he was going to be doing the first four flipper game in forever, you can go back a couple hundred episodes and hear me just freak out, man. I'm going to lose it! I just went nuts. I was like, it's about time. I'm so sick of these. Because with the two flippers, the tra- the max trajectory you can get, and I'm good at doing backflips. And, you know, if you even know how to, you know, uh, curl the ball backwards a little bit, just with little taps and bring it to the exact spot and push the ball forward as it's coming up. And what I'm saying is there's these fancy ways to hit certain shots, like the drop targets on the walking dead to the far left there. There's certain ways to do that. The walking dead, two flipper game, awesome game. So there is other awesome two-flipper games. Metallica. See, there's more. There's more. But I just, I don't know. I thought we were done. I thought Stranger Things was it. Like, I thought Stranger Things was in the works. And before this I got out there, like, I've gone over and over again how you probably aren't going to see very many two-flipper games. Of course, you're going to have games from time to time, like TNA maybe, that are trying to, you know, uh, respect retro and kind of be old school there's old school ems there's like all the uh like farfalla and all the those uh machines from that maker who i can't remember right now from italy uh they had like flippers in the outlanes to flip the ball back in there and then they had another third flipper here and then some of them had four or five six flippers you look at humpty dumpty uh humpty dumpty which Matthew Megaphone, my best buddy there in London, a good old shout out, shout out to the Forest City. He is holding on to Humpty Dumpty for me, the very first game with electromechanical flippers. And it has eight of them. If we can put eight flippers in the first machine, we can put more than two. You just, there's so many shots. So let's go back to think about Iron Maiden for a second. With that little, just a little mini flipper, never mind the other one that allows you to do loops and repeatable loops and orbits, which are just so many orbits, which are just so fun and fast and But if you think back to uh, the little flipper up top there, you can, if you're, even if you're okay at pinball, you don't have to be great. You have to be decent. Like a newbie's not going to do it. But if you're even a novice or, you know, even a, even a noob that's been playing for a couple months, you can easily use the mini flipper to hit uh, the captive ball. That's right to the left of the main bullseye ramp easily. It's an easy shot. Shooting it up the ramp, that's quite a bit harder. I don't think I've ever done it on purpose, nor I can't think of why you would need to. I've accidentally done it like two or three times. Then you've got those little two other mini orbit shots there. Then you've got the three different drops. So even right there, just even if you don't count the ramp, because hitting that ramp is probably about as hard as hitting uh, <laughs> the Led Zeppelin ramp from the other flipper, right? So it's it's probably nearly impossible. However, you can do it. I've done it. Don't ask me to do it for money because I won't be able to do it in front of you on command. But I've done it accidentally through hundreds of games of Iron Maiden. So, you know, even right there, you're adding six shots to the game. Think of all Iron Maiden. What does it have? 18 shots before that? 
So now you've, by that little tiny flipper, and if you take away the other flipper up there, there's maybe, what, 15 shots? So it's like just adding that little flipper adds 25% more shots. 25% more shots means 25% more code to work with, 25% more modes that have differentiating things to do, 25% more wizard modes or mini wizard modes. It means 25% more time. Instead of you having this machine for three quarters of a year and you start to get sick of it or annoyed or bored, it probably takes you a year. Now, I'm going overboard a little bit, but why do people say all day long that playing Metallica is like chopping wood because there's only vertical shots? Why do people say they would just wish Munsters had one or two other kind of shots? Because everything's vertical. It's just shoot it up, like shoot it straight up there. When you have to, when your brain has to all of a sudden think horizontally about trying to triangulate that was, geez, too big of a word. Basically trying to figure out the angle that you're going to have to now, because you're typically thinking about gravity as in up and down, and now you're thinking about gravity as in left to right when you're shooting horizontally across the play field. So you, you have to be able to get the orbit, if you will. You have to be able to see how it, the ball's going to go up slightly, then come down due to how high or how pressurized that. It just changes how you think about things. And I noticed not having a three-flipper game here for quite some time uh, after I sold Roller Coaster Tycoon. I don't have any modern Sterns or I have a four-flipper game, but that, I'm not going to include that because two of them are little mini flips on Jungle Princess. But it really, really, really just shakes things up. Like, think about all the times you're playing Jurassic Park and all of a sudden you've got to hit that one shot from over there. And Jurassic Park's an even better example. Oh my God, was there 15 shots available from that one flipper? So I am just, I'm a little shocked, but at the same time, I'm not. Because you think about Attack from Mars with Brian uh, Edie, Eddie? I used to know a Brian Eddie, so I keep trying to call him that, but I think it's Edie. Uh, if you think about his some of his past ma machines, especially his best ones, uh, Attack from Mars, two flippers. And again, my biggest issue with Attack from Mars is not the shallow code. It's definitely not the hilarious callouts. It's definitely not the art. I like the art. I don't love the theme, but it's kind of hokey and sci-fi. It's okay. I mean, I'm staring at my one-up arcade Attack from Mars sitting in the corner of the living room right now. Um, I really, really, really like it. Like, I, ha I have fun playing the one-up arcade, but... When I think about Attack from Mars and Medieval Madness, they're two flipper games, but they're both very shallow. And the only reason I'm okay with owning them is because they're one of a 10, and I only paid 800 bucks for this machine instead of, like, whatever, 10, 12, 13, 14 grand for Canadian anyways. I know American, that's it's only about 10 grand, but you can get pretty expensive. When you're looking to the fully, like, a fully restored, like, I'm not talking CGC, like a fully restored Medieval Madness or Attack from Mars, yeah. You're getting up there over 10 grand. And, uh, you know, that, that's pretty pricey for a machine that's going to be. I would consider having Attack from Mars or Medieval Madness if I was like a millionaire, which I'm not. But if I had like 20 machines and I was a millionaire, maybe, or I got a really good deal on it. Just both of them, you can, even if you've, even if you're kind of into video games, you're kind of into board games, you're, you're I don't know, your IQ's over like 110. I don't know. Like you can figure out, like it's just, what I'm getting at is it's just, it's very easy. Like hit castle, castle break, you get points. You know, shoot ball up middle, UFO breaks, you win game. Like they're both just that easy. Sure, you can do other things with shooting up ramps and nailing the orbits like I do, but you don't need to. You can get a great score without it. 
So this is my main concern. I, I, if you know, if Randy Martinez is on art, not concerned about the art. I'm not. I'm not even concerned about the art. I don't think they would dare do photorealism. They would never do Photoshop on there. They're not going to pull a freaking, uh, you know. I don't. I hate naming machines, but they're not going to do what they did to Game of Thrones. They're just not going to do that. They're not. I don't think they're going to do that. I. I think Stern would be dumb to do that. I think actually cost per value, whatever they're paying their artists, Zombie Eddie, are you listening? They should probably pay more because the artist probably costs one tenth of what it does to design a machine. And yet you don't need a whole team of them. There's like one of them. So if anything, they should be paying their artists a little more, especially with pinball company profits, especially I would assume Stern's going through the roof in the past two years, going from a five-week wait to a five-month wait. Like that's a big, big, big difference. That's like five times longer than we, you know, and when I say we, I've never bought a new unboxed pinball machine. I'm about to, I'm considering doing it if I don't get sued. Okay. I don't want to spend too much time getting angry about getting sued, but I also don't want to spend too much time talking about Mando because this podcast will not matter because I'm guessing, although I don't have an inside source, I'm guessing either today or today is Saturday, 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 May the 8th. Okay. And to everyone who didn't hear my last podcast, may the 4th be with you. I have spoken. Anyways, I'm feeling much, much, much better for my COVID vaccine. If I didn't wake up to a horrible email finding out I was getting uh, sued this morning, my day would have gone slightly better. Although I'm not going to lie, I, within about five minutes of anger, I just started laughing going, are you kidding me? You've already spoke to lawyers? What are you? Ah! Okay. I do have to mention something first. If Mando is two flippers, I've never said for sure, for sure, for sure I'm buying it. I've said, I've okay, I'll say this. I've never felt this strongly about purchasing a machine since Jurassic Park. The Jurassic Park artwork did not kill it for me. <clears throat> I love the gameplay. Sort of what killed it for me was when I moved out here to the East Coast, I found out that I couldn't have fast internet, which meant I couldn't live stream it. And I basically at the time had a self-enclosed and still do have a self-enclosed budget of pinball machines. So I'm not going to with a full arcade of five machines plus another one out here in the lobby plus two back in Ontario plus another one in the living room plus one in the mezzanine frig. We're going to have to put one in the servant stairway soon. We're going to run out of room in this friggin' mansion. You think you get a big house, you got room for lots of pins, but... Unless I start pulling a Sean Russell and put them in the freaking kitchen, like there's nowhere left. I did see once a funny uh, picture of someone had one in their bathroom. I'm 99% sure Drop Target Danielle will be like, okay, that's where I'm calling it. One in the mezzanine's okay. Servant stairwell, fine. You're not putting one in the freaking bathroom. The upstairs bathroom has room. The downstairs bathroom, it would be hard to put even a, uh, you, I don't think you could fit a one-up arcade in there. I'm not even sure if you could fit up one of those American girl things in there. Like it's tight. The downstairs one is tight, but I'm still most likely going to be uh, like, I really want to start working on my pinball machines because there's at least two of them that I could sell almost immediately due to their mechanical, uh, like everything mechanically is good, but I've got to do some work on aesthetically painting the cabs just because I'm going to have to put them up for one, two, even maybe $300 worth on the one until I do some some work on the art. And that's something I'm highly capable of doing and I enjoy doing. You guys 
know my appreciation for art, which is part of the reason why I'm happy here to announce I'm holding in my hand the very first sheet ever of Orbital Albert's Trading Cards, Pinball Nerds Podcast. That's right, 2021. I'm not telling you about the picture, even though it's a cool picture. I will say this, that unfortunately, the printer that I had to get to be able to afford to come in at the cost that I wanted to be able to charge for these isn't as crisp. It's not as crisp, okay? It almost looks like, it almost looks like, you know, the day before a Stern release, you get those really grainy, like, Mando pictures. Don't look at those, by the way, and don't post them on Pinside. And if someone posts them on Pinside, don't look at them. They should be posted with a spoiler. Wait till you get the pretty pictures of Randy Martinez's awesome artwork, man. Don't be like... Anyways, mine kind of look like a, a Stern distributor might have released these pictures because they are a little grainy. Okay, they're not that bad. But like from a foot away, they're okay. Six inches, you see a little graininess. If you get your head like right in here. Now, I think they kind of give them a retro feel. And I... Yeah, I'm going to announce a little tidbit here for you. The very first series of the Pimble Nerds podcast cards are called the PNP OG. So for those of you who don't know what OG is, it's original. That's right. Uh, original Gangsters? Is that what that is? Is that what that stands for? I just thought it was original. I just knew it was original. It's original Gangsters. We're not gangsters. But anyways, it's just called the OG. It doesn't say gangsters anywhere. And the entire back of every sheet will be akin to a puzzle. But you won't be able to tell it's a puzzle if you don't have it. So it's not like the back of wacky packages or, uh, um, you know, those cards you got in the 80s and 90s where they made a puzzle or they're very similar to Garbage Pail Kids. They're, it's not like that. It just on the back, it will say eat, sleep, breathe, pinball. You'll either get like you either get eat, breathe, pin or you'll get like uh, at sleep breath. Right? Like you're not going to get eat, sleep because it's all the way across the sheet. But anyways, what this does, it's two factor. Number one, it just, it has our cool logo and the really cool like retro uh, art with the neat, like kind of, I call it the Zach Morris colors. I call it the Saved by the Bell colors. It's got all that on the back, which is really cool. Um, more importantly, probably to you guys is that you can put it together like a puzzle, which is, nah, I, don't, I don't think that has tons of value, but it's kind of neat. What, where it does bring value is that one, I'm still working out the math, but I believe right now one in 10 cards, if not more rare than that, will be from the upside down. Don't sue me, stranger things. I took your term. Uh, no, what's happening is the back, like one in 10 card sheets will be printed upside down. Will the back be printed upside down or the front's printed upside down? You don't know. You don't care. What will happen is one card minimum in every pack will be an upside down card. They will just serve to be more rare. It was the simplest, easiest way without me numbering it, without me doing anything to make rare cards. And because it has a Stranger Things reference, which strange thing is the guy who designed Stranger Things has now designed the next machine I might be buying. So I don't know. I guess I had that on the mind. Plus, yeah, the only show my whole family will sit down and watch with me other than Stranger Things, which we don't really watch anymore, is The Mandalorian. So I thought it made sense that we would do upside down cards. This also allows me to do a special set of upside down if I want to. It allows me to do, and they're just, it just makes them more rare. So yeah, you might have an Orbital Albert or a Jack Danger or a Druin Ian from Poor Man's Pinball Podcast, or maybe even got yourself your own Gamma Go card, right? But do you have it in the upside down? It just makes the cards a little bit more tradable, a little more unique, and a, let's be honest, a little more out there. 
and you knew these cards were going to be out there just like the uh, I ordered the holograms by the way I looked and looked and looked and I did the sticker mule and uh, I, I priced out I priced out like the top five pages of Google guys I couldn't find anything that has as good customer service with as good of turnaround time is the company that I used, which if you want to know who it is, you can message me. Please don't message me and start making your own pinball nerds podcast <laughs> trading cards right away or something like that from it. But anyways, I found a source where I could get the exact die cut size I needed to match the cards. And it came in at 130 bucks uh, with taxes, delivery, shipping, everything came to 130 bucks so that gives you a big hint if you're looking for it. it doesn't even really matter it's it's not like i can't even remember the name of the company right now to be honest somewhere in my email there um but anyways this particular company managed to do a really good job using the black and white i will say this drop target danielle my wonderful beautiful fun outgoing and very patient wife is featured on it and it's a picture that ironically ironically we could get sued for, uh, or, or at least maybe she could, or maybe I could because I had something to do with making it. Anyways, that's all I'll say about that. We don't need to go into that. What I will go into before I go on is letting you know that I'm hoping the holograms arrive here on May 20th. My goal is to be done all the cards by then. I've currently ran out of the paper I'm using, which is 260 millimeters, which is like the minimum requirement for a card in a photo sheet. I've moved up to 300, so cards 1 through 8 or 1 through 9 will be on a slightly more flimsier cardstock. It'll still look like, like a trading card. It's not going to look like you've printed it out on a piece of paper or something, right? But, I mean, it is. It's photo paper, but it's very thick cardstock photo paper that's specifically meant to be used for this type of thing. So it's going to be, think, thicker than a business card, but, like, I don't know, thicker than, like, a very thick baseball card, like the newer... Uh, like um, the refractors and stuff like that, the thicker ones. So it's definitely thinner than that. Anyways, I have to use a different paper because I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know why what it is. I got a thicker paper that I think I'll like better from the same company, but they are out of that exact precise paper and I didn't want them to be thinner. I'm paying quite a bit more per card. The good news is the, the printer I got allows me, ah, allows me, Two, refill the ink, and refilling the ink brings the cost way down. In fact, I've already printed all of the cards for two people, and so far, so good. The ink, the black ink is only down about one-eighth, and the refill of black ink is only 40 bucks on this one for me because I just buy the big container and fill it up myself. So, And I might even be able to find a place online, especially for the black, that I can get it even cheaper, right? So, but for right now, I'm using like all the colors they've recommended because I want to see, make sure it looks as good as possible with this particular printer. And here's my vow to you, pinball nerds. If I sell out of these bad boys, then yes, if I can at least break even on this freaking printer, which I got ex exclusively for doing these cards, then I will look at getting a better printer. Or maybe if I see the value in it, honestly, if it gets big enough, my wife and I, you guys know we're, we're retire-ish. We've basically retired. Uh, my wife is still working like 30 hours a week at the school. Well, she's home working from Zoom now, and she's not working at all today because we just got back from getting Han Solo, our newest goat. He's so cute. He's got these little horns. Our other goats were dehorned. We didn't do it. It was done before we got them. Luke and Leia do not have their horns. 
So we wanted to get a boar goat because they're much closer. Their DNA is closer to, and they're, I don't know if it's their DNA caught me in a lie. It's like something to do with them genetically is closer to a ram, which is a type of goat, but isn't it? It's more of a mountain goat. Anyways, ram's horns like spin in backwards in through their head and then come back out the front. And typically those horns are less likely to do damage, not only to people, but also to property and more importantly to Luke and Leia. So his cute little horns are only two or three inches right now because he's only 12 weeks old. He's our cute little new goat goat. And if you wonder if I talk to him like that, yeah, I kind of do. I read once on a blog that if you talk in a high-pitched voice to goats, much like when you're talking to kids, right? You wouldn't see a little, like your, your I don't know, one of your, your coworkers like kids for the first time and they're like four years old and you go over them and be like, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. You know why you don't do that? Because they'd start crying. So you go, hey, buddy, how's it going there? Oh, you want some crayons? Come color a picture. You know what I mean? You're talking. A, well, you have to do that with your goat kids also. Now, do I have to do it to Luna? Probably not. But you know Elowin. You know Elowin and all the pinball designers. If you speak to them nicer, you'll get more things happening. Speaking of speaking about things nicer, we've only got a couple minutes left here. I didn't want to leave too much time for this because it's very negative. But unfortunately, well, checking one of my five email addresses, and, and I will say the person, I'm not going to say their name, but it's someone that, this, this person and their partner, Danielle and I have hung out with a couple times. Uh, like, we didn't make plans with them. We just, we saw them there and we've talked to them. They seemed really nice. Um, one of the partners is part of a hobby and a sport that I really want to become part of. Now I have about, I have at least five to 10 listeners in around this area. So I'm not going to be saying anything identifiable because when you have someone that's this litigious, you just don't say anything that would possibly get them to sue you because they're sue happy people. Now, the good news is well, let me just read the email and I will take out anything here that I think, like I'm not going to say their name or their company, but here's the email I woke up to. Good morning. We were told about a product that you make and sell that's infringing on our copyright of embedding beach glass into candles. What? Okay. I added the what part just so we know, just so I don't get sued for adding to it. Okay, here we go. Our lawyer advised us here. I'm going to read it like this because this is how I would guess they probably wrote it. Our lawyer advised us that your our our lawyer advised us to send you our registration number. Our Canadian intellectual property registration number is blah blah blah. And they didn't say blah blah blah. They put the numbers, but that could identify them. So I'm not gonna say them. We created sorry, we created and have been selling this product since 2014. And have had to protect our copyright before. Huh? Okay, I had the huh. We appreciate your cooperation in this manner. So, what the frick? First of all, over a decade ago, I brought home sea glass that I found in Prince Edward Island back to my wife as a gift because she loves sea glass. We were already into making candles at that time, but it wasn't till maybe, I don't know, six months, seven months. Not six years ago when they started doing it. This is like nine years ago. We started putting everything. I put funny things in there. I put toys in there. We did custom orders where people wanted like kids toys for like, it was dumb. 
we also we've done we've put weird stuff in candles. I'm telling you, we put we put oak moss in candles. We did a lifestyle brand in London called Ilbury and Goose. Anyone can look them up. Um, we've, we we they make their own candles now, but we help formulate them with them. We help come up with the scents for them, and we produced them and made them for them for like I don't know six years. I don't know how long. A long time. And even when we left, you know, we decided we didn't really want to do candles anymore. And then we were bringing our products into a local store up the street. And what does the woman say to us? Yeah, we we would really like to get some more candles because there's no one in here doing candles. So Danielle said, okay, well, we can try doing candles. Well, she made 10 with sea glass in them, brought like seven of them there. And I think we sold maybe four of them in two months. Like they're not, they're our worst seller. She was planning on never making them again when we got this message. So here's the message I sent back. Now, I wasn't in the best mood. I just got home from three hours of a, a goat screaming in a car. And believe it or not, once you're sitting in there with the goat smell and such, and it's raining, you can't open your windows. You know, you, I love Han, but it starts to get yucky. So, I, oh, geez, I've got like a minute. I better read this as quick as possible. Okay. Wow, just wow. As someone with an honors in business law, I was able to do a quick research on Google and find more than 50 companies using sea glass and candles. Someone cannot copyright putting a stone piece of glass, which is made from sand, which is made from a small stone, or any other product into a candle unless that property is intellectual unto its own self, i.e. like software is original. Nothing, let me repeat, nothing about putting a rock stone, bottle glass, twig, crystal, or even a boulder into a frickin', I added the frickin', candle is going to be considered even close by the lowest court to being intellectually unique enough to uphold any type of law. Consider that we've been making these candles for over a decade. Uh, a court would laugh at you as we would have better claim to putting anything into these candles. As a confirmation for you, you or your lawyer can check out blank, and I put the website address in there of the company that we, up until recently, are still making, and I believe they are still selling. Our, uh, we did crystal candles for this company. They were putting in two or $3,000 orders wholesale at a time. This was a big company. We sold them all across the world, including I saw reviews coming from several places. Anyways, uh, I did say at the end of this, I will be using your email as content for my podcast today, which means that they will get a kick out of it and hopefully frankly i'll make more money in the long run from this content than the three candles we would have so basically we're pulling all the candles off we're never going to do that again even though we probably wouldn't be sued i don't care but i don't have a million dollars but if i did you can be aware if i had a million dollars i'd be going to court because we'd win this one until next time pinball nerds remember to get ready for mando and if you haven't got your ellie it's probably gone until next time eat sleep and breathe pinball well, I'd buy you a K-car, a nice, reliant automobile. If I had a million dollars, I'd get sued.